Welcome to A Word of Grace, a local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. Okay, this morning we're going to read from Luke the 8th chapter. Luke the 8th chapter. And in the middle of this chapter here, we see uh, where, where Christ, there was this wild man, and he was in the tombs, and he was being tortured by where it says here, <clears throat> that was in him in Luke 8.30, what Jesus cast out of him. When asked what his name was, they, they said legion, because he was filled with all of those demons at that particular time. But verse 28 says, and I want to bring this out, so here's this man, and for almost all his life, he has been tortured and really affected very negatively. A lot of negative things were happening to him as a result of what was inside of him. But then it says in verse 28, it says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out. And again, a lot of times that's what it takes. We just cry out because we don't have in us what we need to fulfill us. But he sure does. Jesus does. And so this, this poor soul here began to cry out. And then it says, and he fell down before him. He fell down before him. And of course, that speaks of great humility because that's what it takes for us to be in his presence, to be ready to receive what he has for us. Because what he has for us is not in ourselves, it's in him. And so this man, he fell down and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, you son of God? Torment me not. And of course that wasn't him. But the lies of the voices that were in him. And so we see that this man is brought in his right mind. And at the time when he was in his very wild, negative, very tormented, very tortured state, it didn't affect all of those that were around him. It didn't affect them at all. They were going about their everyday life and all their business. But then Jesus came, of course, and he cast them out. But what he did was he cast them out into a herd of swine. And those swine went headlong. Probably, the original says thousands of them. And these people were making a living, a living by them. See? Their whole life was involved about themselves, but was expressed in those swine. And so when Jesus cast it out of that man, they went into the swine and went over the cliff. And instead of looking at the miracle of this man now in his right state, because Jesus did a miracle in him. And oh, by the way, he's still the same. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ. He's the same in our yesterdays. He's the same in our todays. And he is our same forever. 
So they were very upset with Jesus. How dare he change this man? All that man had to do was cry out. He couldn't do anything else. One man, just one man, one man cried out and Jesus heard him because he fell down. It means he, he had come to the end of himself. And he fell down in the right place because he fell down in the place and in front of the only one who could do something about him because he couldn't do it in himself. And no one had anything to do with him. They were too busy going about their own business. Can you imagine how alone and tormented he must have been until he saw Jesus? And he saw him and he healed him. And again, into those swine they went and over the cliff some think that they were a lot of those were stolen or a lot of those were used for all kinds of illegal bad gain and that's all that any of us can do outside of Jesus I mean there isn't anything good that will come of whatever we do if it doesn't involve Jesus in us it doesn't so over the cliff they went, and when they had found that out, they wanted him out. They didn't want anything to do with him. You know, the world system still this day, the satanic world system, still doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Doesn't? Crucified him. Wanted to kill him. But all it did was raise him to a higher glory, a place where we'll go because of him, because he's our Savior. And he's our master. That's who he is. He's Lord and master. He's savior and he, ma he masters us. And he does it with his love. That's what we heard in the songs, with his love. So they didn't want anything to do with him. Because the whole multitude of the country of Gadarenes around had besought for him, besought him to depart from them. For they were shaken with great fear. And he went in, up into the ship and returned back again. So in other words, when I don't receive his love, when I don't receive God's love, when I don't receive God's love in the greatest manifestation, Jesus, his son, who put on humanity and came here to identify with us. Think of it. God became a man to identify with us to save us, to deliver us, to master everything in our life and to raise us up into the heights of glory. But they didn't want that because they were living in fear. And we know in 1 John 4 verse 18 that perfect love, love that's complete about us, casts out fear because what does fear have? It has torment. And so they asked him to leave. And then it says in verse 38 of Luke 8, Now the man out of whom the demons were departed besought that he might be with him. He just, he just wanted to be with him. Oh, you're the one that you did for me what I, I couldn't do. And out of all those, you, you were after me. You know, what was I in myself? I was just a wild man, one person tormented 
And all I had to do was see you because you were there for me. And you delivered me. And I want to stay with you. But Jesus sent him away saying this, return unto your house because there's going to be many more just like you. They're going to now need me and you. And I want you to give them. And I want you to show them how great things God has done unto you. And by showing them what I've done unto you, oh, they can see it's for them too. You can make, and we can, through his love, make an invisible God visible. And he went his way. Notice what he did. Look what happens when we obey a love that wants to master us. He published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And then we come to verse 40 and it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people received him. They received him gladly. For they were all waiting for him. They knew that he had to come and give them what they couldn't do themselves. And so they were gladly waiting for him. It's very interesting in Isaiah 30, verse 18. It says that he is waiting to be gracious. <laughs> you know, God waits to be gracious to us. In other words, he has to wait in his love that's so patient. In 1 Corinthians 13, five through eight. He's very, very patient in his love. But he has to wait till people, to those that he loves, comes to the end of themselves and no longer seeks in themselves what only he can give them. Because that's, a, after all, that's why God sent him. Matthew 20, verse 28, and Mark 10, verse 45 says this, that he came not to be ministered unto but to minister. And how many of us think we have to do so much when he has to show us that, listen, he said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. So they were all waiting for him. That's a place of humility. We're waiting. But it's also a place of trust, too. It's a place of trust. And it's a place of dependence. And so it says, Behold, there came a man, Jairus. And it says he was the ruler of the synagogue. Now, the ruler of the synagogue was what the Jews worshipped. They were very, very, they, they were, as we see with the Pharisees, they were very legalistic. Very legalistic. Their whole life was based upon do. You can do it, and if you do it, well, God will be happy. But here he is, the ruler of the synagogue. I mean, he had a high position and a high place. And he it says it, he was the ruler of the synagogue. Man, he was in charge. But it says this, just like that man, and, I want, and God wants us to see, I don't care who we are, what our position, what our station is in life. We may be 
a wild man that nobody thinks anything about. And maybe we have a position where many, many people respect us. But one thing is for sure. That man who was the ruler and that man who was the wild thing, when they had to have a need that they could not meet themselves, it says they fell down at Jesus' feet. And that's what this guy did. He came to the end of himself. He came to the end of trusting himself. He came to the end of trying to help himself. He, self-helplessness led to self-hopelessness. There's no help. And he fell down at Jesus' feet. What a place to be. He fell at his feet because Jesus' feet were going to take him where no one else could go. And that was to go to Calvary and to pay for those sins and to deliver him and to give him every single thing that he could ever desire or want or need. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 4.19, he said, my God will supply all your need we only have one need, and it's Jesus. But he meets it in the limitless plurality of the riches that's in him. And then, of course, in him, and through him, and by him, in Philippians 4.13, I, he brings us to that place. I can do all things through Christ because he's my strength. He strengthens me. So he fell down at Jesus' feet, his precious feet. Remember the woman who was wiping Jesus' feet with her tears because she was anticipating where he was going to go for her. He was going to do something in her and for her, about her, because of a great love. And that love was going to go to the cross and bring out the greatest definition of who God is. God is love. Yeah, he's love. In 1 John 4, 8 and 16, God is love. It never says love is God. It says God is love. So he fell down at Jesus' feet, this ruler of the synagogue, and begged and beseeched him that he would come into his house. And he knew that Jesus had to come where he was. He knew that. He had to come into his house. And you know that's what Jesus wants to do. If we're waiting for him, we trust him. He wants to come right into our personal lives. Right into our circumstance. Right into our situation. And all those things, the pain, the tragedies that we see, when we see Jesus become an opportunity for him to come in. And not only will he do for us what we absolutely cannot do for ourselves, but then he will do it in and through us to others. Do you ever notice when we're tired of making so much of ourselves that we get done with it and then we turn to him and how free we are when that happens. And in the freedom of that love that he has for us, instantly our mind goes on others. Because our mind is not on ourself, it's on our treasure. And in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, 
they were your heart, your whole thinking, your, the, everything about you will be where your treasure is. He only had one daughter. He only had one daughter. Maybe he could, and maybe maybe he did think he could do a lot for people. But when it come, came time for his need to be met, he couldn't meet it. Because everything about him, all his affections were in that little little girl. And oh boy, he loved her. She was only 12 years of age and she lay dying. He couldn't do anything about it. But it says, as he went, the people thronged him. And when you understand this in the original, it's literally, there were thousands upon him, pressing him, almost to the point of suffocation. Because they heard that this one just would come and just by him being there became their only, maybe their only opportunity just to be able to touch him, to be healed. And so the people were thronging around him. Took thousands just to the point of almost crushing him. And a woman right in the path of him. He's on the way now to heal this little girl to do for this man what he couldn't do in himself and obviously what that little girl couldn't do. And right across his path, a woman having an issue of blood 12 years. 12 years. Many, many believe it could have even been from sexual sins. But whatever it was, whatever was the cause of it, she couldn't do anything because look what it says. She had this issue of blood, this bleeding, and she couldn't stop it. And she had spent all her living. Think of how many people, what they try to do to heal what's inside of them and what they put themselves and what they spend to do it. She had spent all her living upon physicians. She couldn't do it herself. It brought her to go to others that they couldn't do for her what she couldn't do. They were just as helpless. They were just as helpless. And neither could be healed of any. Then it says she came behind him. You know, she didn't even think she was worthy to face him because of the shame and a lot of believers, those that are really his, those that aren't, but they're filled with shame about sin and things in their life. But they're so desperate that they feel like if maybe I could just come behind him and sneak in and maybe steal a touch. And literally for her to get to him, she had to be on her knees and crawling. And it says she just reached up and touched the hem of his garment. She came behind him and touched just the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stopped. And a crowd is following him, crushing him. And then out of the scene, there's a little woman and she sneaks up. And she feels that she has to come behind and just maybe steal. She's desperate. Might be her only opportunity. And she's got to take it. She's desperate. Her self-helplessness and her self-hopelessness, not only in herself, but everyone else, has led her to the place where she's desperate. 
She came behind, touched the, the border of his garment. Immediately her issue of blood stopped. And then Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? <laughs> Thousands were crushing him. And was the pressure of the crush of the crowd the issue in his life? No. You know, he never thought about himself. Ever. He always thought about his father. And he always thought about those that were his. And those that his heart yearned for to be his. It wasn't the press of the crowd. But one little woman, ashamed, came behind and touched him. And he said, who touched me? You don't think he knew? Of course he knew. First John 3, 20, he knows all things, especially those that are his, and especially when someone touches him. Oh, he knows who you are, and he knows who I am, when in our weakest point, we just cry out and touch him. Who touched me? And when all denied it, she, she, was, she was scared. But she knew something happened. When all denied, Peter, <laughs> Peter, old Peter, <laughs> we like to look at Peter and say, oh boy, what a character. Yeah, I know. And we're no different. <laughs> Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude the thousands are thronging you and pressing you to the point of suffocation. And you're asking us who touched you? Sometimes we think that he's so busy with thousands more. But who am I to think that he could touch me? Because we're looking at ourselves and we're not looking to him. We're still looking inside ourselves for something when we need to look at him. And that's why Hebrews 12, verse 2, the original Koine Greek says, looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. And Jesus said, somebody has touched me. Out of all the thousands that are pressing me, there's one, just one. One touched me. Oh, boy. Just one. And I know it. And you know why I know it? Because virtue went out of me. Virtue is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Explosive healing power. Miraculous power. It speaks of a might. It speaks of, a, of an ability. What is our ability? Our only ability is his reliability. That's right. We can always rely on him because he's our ability. And by the way, he's our only ability. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 1 through 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Listen. And in a nutshell, without me, you can what? Do nothing. You can't do anything. But in me, remember in Philippians 14, 4.13, you can do all things. 
virtue. It speaks of abundance. Not just a little bit of power. It speaks of abundance. You know, a lot of times we as his approach him with a thimble when he has the ocean waiting for us. Oh, just give me a little bit. I need just... I need to know, I need, my thimble needs to be filled with your love. I need to know, I need to know that you care for me. I need to know that there's, there's value. And Jesus says, that your, all your value is in me and my love for you. I am the ocean. That's why in Ephesians 3.19 it says, and to know the love of God, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. <laughs> you and I are going to know how much he loves us forever for all eternity we'll never come to the end of how much he loves us someone touched me and that virtue that healing remember in Psalm 107 verse 20 he sent his word that's Jesus in John 1 1 Jesus is the word of God he sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from all their destructions. And it's plural in the Hebrew. Many translations will say their destruction. It's plural. He always does exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's in him in Ephesians 3.20. And that's what motivates him and the activity of his love for us. And so as we begin to wrap this up, he said this virtue that comes out of me. And that points to a new and higher force. Oh yeah. A new and higher force that has entered into us and is working. And only he who finished the work can bring the work God, Jesus Christ on Calvary in John 19, verse 30, it says, Tetelestai, it is finished. He cried out with a loud, victorious voice, it's finished. You know, he had every single one of us in mind. You say, how is that possible? Well, because he's not just a man. He's God and man. He's God. And he's able. And he's our only ability and so that virtue comes out and then begins to reside in a person. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, he said, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Two things while we're in this wilderness walk on this earth before we go home to be with him. We need power and boy, do we need wisdom. And boy, it's all in Christ. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. See what they all did? They all had to come to the end of themselves and fall down to him. That's all faith does. Faith in its weakest moment 
And faith always means dependence, by the way. Faith in its weakest moments, in the most terrible situation, falls at his feet. Because to faint means, and that means to look into self, means to fall back on nothing. And so finally, there's so much in here, but finally, remember we said she spent all that she had? Finally, she was. She realized that she was a hopeless case. How many think that that's, that's where they're at? They think their circumstances, their situations, their past sins. Maybe if it's not that that we're thinking about ourselves, maybe it's we're thinking about a loved one. Oh my God, it's hopeless. They're a hopeless case, humanly speaking. Humanly speaking. And so in her desperate sense, her desperate sense, what happens? She had to draw near to him because she heard he was there. And in her desperation, her desperation brought her to the opportunity that God's love was affording her. <laughs> to heal her. Not to reject her. Not to bring up her past sins. Not to condemn her. But to heal her. Because that's what love does. Love draws it to itself. And heals. That power that she so desired. Resided in Christ. And when received. In humility. By pure faith. By pure grace becomes very efficacious. Very, very efficacious. I looked up that word this morning, efficacious, in the dictionary. This is what I want to read it to you. This is what efficacious means. Because when she reached up and touched him, virtue came out and it was very efficacious in her. And this is what that word means. It means having or showing the desired result. <laughs> Are you looking for, and am I looking for a result? Are we looking in the right place? I can't do it, God. I, I tried. I can't. That's right. You can't. I know. I know, but <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. No. In Hebrews 4, 9 and 10, faith rests. <laughs> Dependence rests in the only one it can rest in. And until it does, it's restless. Efficacious. Having or showing the desired result or effect. It's efficacious means it's effective as a means. What other means do we have? Have we tried everything? Have we come to the end of ourselves? And have we come to the end of others and looking for them, in them, what is not in them that we need? Sometimes we, when we don't find it in ourselves, we look for it in others. And then when we don't get it, we're disappointed. No, it's just simply because we trusted in ourselves and trusted in others, and that's where disappointment comes from. And not trusting in Him. And not trusting a love that died for us, that loves us, that rose has glorified us. Well, 
it's effective as a means. It's effective as a measure. How should we measure ourselves? Only by him and by his love. It's effective as a remedy. All, all, everything is in him. So faith anticipates the healing from the only one who can touch. He's the only one that can do it. And as we close, we see the beauty of this. It wasn't a crowd's pressure. That was the issue with him. I mean, he was, he was human, perfect humanity, but he was human. And he was being suffocated. But he never thought of himself. He just simply said, someone touched me and I know. Because healing power went from me right into him. And all it took was a touch. So Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for you. Thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself to the Father so that he could give you to us. And thank you that when you rose and went to heaven, you sent down another comforter, the Holy Spirit. We have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for your yearning heart that desires to be so intimate with us because you do love us and you do care for us. We are that one in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.